Today is a story about a miraculous birth. Uh, It is the one that uh, he had been told multiple times. It was his story, actually, one that he actually felt brought more purpose uh, as to why he had come and what he had come to do. Uh, The story went that there was a couple. They couldn't have kids, and they were later on in their years. But one day an angel showed up and let Zach know that his wife, was pregnant, and how uh, in this moment Zach doubted him, doubted the angel, and even that Elizabeth Elizabeth would be pregnant, asked for proof, and because of that, the angel and God took his speech until the baby was born. Sometimes I wonder if that played a role in John, John the Baptist's devotion later on in life, that he heard the story of his dad who lost his voice for a period of time because he challenged or wanted proof of God, and and we all know, if you've been around church at all, you know John the Baptist's uh, story of dedication and devotion to uh, Jesus, and that's what we're kind of looking at today. But it it wasn't a unique story to John because uh, his Aunt Mary had a similar miraculous birth of a child as well. You may have heard of it. Uh, He always, John always actually even got embarrassed about uh, they would tell the story of how uh, when he first met Jesus, he was really excited. That's when Mary ventured to meet up with uh, Elizabeth. And when they came in contact with each other, uh, John literally jumped in the womb, noticeably was excited, and he would get embarrassed when they would get together and tell that story. Uh, but John's purpose was clear. Uh, he was to come and pave the way for the Messiah. John was to call God's people, the sons and daughters of Abraham, if you Galatians 12, 3 and 3, 9. But if you remember, John wasn't a normal looking bloke. John, uh, he was hairy. Uh, having not had cut his hair, uh, he ate bugs and wore animal skin. Um, and John's ministry was specific, but it was different. Um, Not as out there maybe as his appearance, but uh, John was sent to tell God's people to get right with God. I picture his ministry kind of like one that would take place maybe in the foothills of the Rockies, uh, out in the wilderness, the ultimate outdoor Christian wilderness retreat center. And John would call God's people out to him and call them out for their devotion to God. Turn from your ways, you brood vipers, he would say. You are God's people. In a sense, he would tell them that God could rise up more people just like them, even from the rocks. That he would cut down those that were not fruitful. Escape the coming wrath, John would say. Turn and be baptized. Do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. A little different than the way. Um, a little different than Jesus in his ministry that was to come. Jesus' ways were going to the sinners, right? Eating with them, going to the outskirts of the towns as he rolled through. And in a kind of turning point, Jesus came to John. At this point, John was baptizing. John was preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah, and he knew Uh, He was baptizing people, and Jesus came to John to be baptized. 
and Jesus being Jesus and John not thinking Jesus is needing to be baptized. Uh, they had a little discussion, but uh, Jesus ended up being baptized by John, and Scripture tells us at that moment, it's thought of that that's the start of his earthly ministry, that the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. I would love to try to depict that story until I can't. I can't even picture what that was like. So heavens open up and in bodily form, dove landing Jesus. Like that's one that I'm going to check out when I get to heaven. I think we'll be able to like hit the replay booth and like look back at the different stuff. I hope so. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, th- this is another one of those confirming and comfort father moments from God. We talked about it last week. Jesus's purpose of being known was clear for day one, what he had come for. And this being the start of Jesus' ministry on earth, he knew the ball was rolling towards the inevitable. The ball in this moment that Jesus was eh, 30-ish years old, that um, the ball was rolling inevitably to the cross. And at that moment when Jesus was baptized, I like to picture it a lot like Maybe, I don't know, I haven't sent a kid off to college or sent a kid away on a trip or something, but I I can only picture it as a parent in that moment when Jesus' earthly ministry starts. And when he's baptized, you hear John and, and the people present heard, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God put forth that message into Jesus, almost knowing what he was sending him to. And John, in that moment, even ended up giving his life uh, to, uh, to the moment where Jesus started his ministry. John, however, like I said, was the tell the hard truth, confront it head on, kind of more in your face. John had taken a vow, if you remember Samson, uh, Samson in the Bible, but John had taken an, a vow like Samson did and had refused to cut his hair, wouldn't drink of any wine. He wouldn't even eat the grapes of the vine, it says in number six. A little different than Jesus' approach because if we know the stories, Jesus actually was present at the party and made the wine, um, right? He turned water to wine, some of the finest wine. John knew that Jesus, his cousin, was the Messiah, but I think uh, he might have been perplexed by Jesus' approach to things. Jesus, uh, John calling God's people to right leaving, separating, attempting to separate himself entirely from sin. Jesus entering into the places where people defied what God stood for, um, even if they weren't held to that measure. And John, Jesus' cousin, was sent to pave the way, influential and devoted in himself, yet he did things different. Jesus, God in the flesh, sent uh, with great purpose and meaning, sat and ate. He entered into and mingled with those who wouldn't have even ventured into the presence of God at the time. But Jesus had had even said of John that he was more than a prophet, that he was the greatest of those birthed from woman. So Jesus, even in himself, 
confirmed John's ministry. And so today, uh, today we start this Christmas series, Light the Way. Uh, each week in December, we're going to uh, look at um, and, and join together, actually, with all the other Christ the King campuses within our, within our network. There's six of us, and we're all focused in on this idea of Light the Way, which is talking about the different times in the Bible where uh, Jesus says, I came. I came to, and, and looking at uh, specifically um, the times Jesus says those words and then to spell out what it, what it actually means. Uh, some of the statements are very unique to Jesus. Some of them take us kind of on some marching orders as we head into Christmas. Uh, some are examples for us, maybe a posture that we would take in our life. Maybe a way we use to kind of light our way into the Christmas season. Uh, today, as referenced in the opening, uh, today is about Jesus' ministry. And we take a look at the book of Luke, where Jesus is fresh off of his uh, baptism, his intro to his public ministry. Um, and he's out gathering his disciples. Again, these are people that... Uh, that most everybody would be like, I can't even imagine Jesus has associated himself with these people, let alone calling them to join him in his ministry that had just started. And in that moment, uh, Jesus is in a town, and, and within that town, there was a leper. Now, I tell you what, lepers uh, at that time... Uh, that was considered their, the disease that they had, they were to stay on the outskirts of town. Like there were set up spots that lepers could live. They weren't living in amongst the people because they were unclean. Now it's recorded that Jesus is walking through town when this leper approaches him. And, and I can only imagine because as uh, a leper entered into the city for whatever they needed, they would need to call out, unclean, unclean, and let everybody know that they could stay their distance from them. They had to. That was like law at that time. You had to announce that. And so for this leper to make his way into town and then present himself to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you're willing, clean my skin. And in that moment, Jesus says, I am willing. And he touched and the disease retracted from this man. And then just after that, Four dudes literally carried their friend to Jesus via a rooftop, lowered him down in front of Jesus, and Jesus recognizing not only that the man needed healing, but also the faith of his friends in that moment, he told him to get up and walk. He, forgived, he forgave him of their sins, of his sins. And, and, and in that moment, it was the first kind of Jedi mind trick, which originated with a Jesus mind trick, right? Uh, Jesus reads the crowd and can hear, says he notices that he could hear their thoughts challenging him, saying, how could he heal? How could he forgive this man of his sins? What is his authority? And Jesus uh, 
calls him out. But then after that, he takes it even a step further and he goes and hangs out at Levi's house. Now, Levi was a tax collector at that time. We'll kind of get a little bit more into who Levi was in a little bit. But Jesus actually went to Levi's house and reclined and ate with Levi's friends. And at that time, the tax collectors were thought of the low of the low, right? There was no, uh, there was, there was no uh, fun group of tax collectors that were like, I want to be a part of that group. That wasn't an aspired for group of people. And there, then again, the religious people, the Pharisees, question him again. Eating with tax collectors and sinners? Like, who is this? And Jesus, again, hearing their words and reading their minds and knowing what's being muttered, Jesus answers them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Don't miss those words. Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners to repentance. See, Jesus did things differently. In this statement, he makes uh, in, in the actions he displays were a little different. Later, John would actually, uh, need, he would send some men in chapter 7, John the Baptist, who we talked about at the beginning, he would send some men uh, to go to Jesus and to ask Jesus, are, are, are you actually the one we were waiting for? Because John thought, mm, I don't know, the way he's doing things are a little different than the way I did. And so he sent these disciples, hey, are you actually the one we were waiting for or should we, should we be looking for somebody else? It's in chapter 7. And Jesus says, go back to John. And these probably would have been disciples of John at the time or ones that were on the verge of changing over to being disciples of Jesus. They had been following John in his ways. Jesus says, go back to John and, and, and tell him what you've experienced. The healing, the forgiving of sins, the authority, even in his uh, very different style. And you could say that, that John did those things differently, but uh, like I said, Jesus had said John was the greatest of those born of woman. That's a pretty uh, amazing stamp to put on a ministry. So in a sense, they just did things a little differently. And, and, and Jesus, as our example, is what we're looking at today, uh, the difference of what Jesus is doing and the statement uh, that he clearly says, I have, why he had come. Not, not for the healthy, but for the sinners, the sick. And in, in making this statement, uh, he kind of lays out two, uh, that there are two types of people. They are, uh, they are sick and well people, uh, or sinner and, ri- and righteous people. So there's, there's the sick and the sinners, and then there's the well and the righteous. And these would be opposing groups at this time. And as we look over the next five weeks of Jesus, and today specifically, uh, I don't want you to hear that there, uh, there are groups of people that Jesus doesn't like. 
right? I don't want you to hear that uh, he wouldn't associate with some and not the others. Uh, if anything, Jesus, in making this statement that he had come uh, not for the, the righteous, but for the sinners, and Jesus making this statement reinforces that there's really only one type of person. That is the sinner. That is the sick. That is those that are in need. Side note here, and a free kind of tidbit of information I want to add is uh, that it is those that view themselves as not sick, as not in need, those that are self-proclaimed righteous. In Luke 18, it talks about to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And the parable that Jesus goes on to tell is, is the parable of, of, of two people in the temple asking for forgiveness for what they have done in their life and being thankful for that. And the Pharisee makes the prayer, if you haven't heard it, the Pharisee prays that he is thankful that he is not like the other people, that he isn't as bad as everybody else. And that's what he is thankful for. And it is, and it was, I would actually go as far as to say that it is the self-righteous that create the division, and I would go as far as to say that it is them that create the hate, even within the Christian church. And Jesus is saying here in this moment that no one is righteous, not one. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. But not only is there no one righteous, Jesus is setting up this lesson as to why he has come. Jesus makes it very clear that as long as you're willing to admit that, as long as you are willing to understand that you don't have it all figured out, and that you're willing to wel- he's willing to welcome you in, to that relationship, into that ministry, into that calling on your life that he has for you. And I think one of the greatest stories of this is Levi. Jesus often mutters the words, come, follow me. And Levi's specific details to his calling is pretty amazing. Because if you think about it, Levi, having uh, at one point uh, bid and desired to be a tax collector, immediately isolated him from all of his community. So he became the guy that stole from everybody so that he could make a living. Like he represented the Roman government to his people, but not only that, he wouldn't only go after what he desired, he would go after more so that he could make a living. So he was literally stealing from the people. So he had isolated himself with that. And now he had gathered these people, and Jesus is, I mean, remind you, Jesus is hanging out with these people in Levi's house. These are the people that nobody really likes. They're all the thieves. They're all the ones that are stealing all the money. And Jesus goes and hangs out with them. And in a moment, Jesus is talking to Levi, and, and they're having this conversation, and Jesus says, you know what? Come follow me. And what does Levi do? He gives up everything. 
So now he's isolated himself from his people, and now he's only got this group of people that steals and cheats and is, is, is accomplishing and gathering. I mean, his house was probably nice. This was probably a great party. And he's like, leave the keys on the counter. You know, you guys can have all my stuff. I'm going. I'm going with this Jesus. That is a lot to give up. Follow me and leave everything. You see, in Matthew and Mark's account of this, though, there's a little bit of a difference. They record this, this lesson as well when Jesus says, I've not come for the righteous, but the, the sinners, uh, the healthy don't need a doctor. But Luke is the one that adds that in phrase to it. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then at the end there, to repentance. The trust is, uh, the truth is, you need it, I need it, right? I have to be willing to raise my hand, yep, that was for me. Jesus' life and his ministry was for me. And like Jesus did for Levi, he does the same for each one of us. The religious, uh, the Pharisees, it wasn't that Jesus avoided them, but because Jesus often interacted with them. It was that they avoided admitting that they needed a Savior. They weren't willing to admit that they were even sick. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16 says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. I love that wording at the beginning of that verse. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Whatever comes after that, I have to really chew on. Listen to these words. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Do you know who the author is of that? Anybody? Paul? right? Jesus came into this world to save the sinners of, of which I am the worst. But for that very reason, I have shown mercy so, it, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ may, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Levi was like all the others that Jesus uttered those words to. Follow me. And they were all willing to drop everything. Levi, Matthew, another tax collector, the leper, the guy and his friends that lowered him through the roof where he recognized not only their need but also their faith the prostitute, the blind guy, the adulterer. In all those cases, they were willing to admit their illness. And that's why Jesus was willing to meet them in it. In all those cases, it, it wasn't only an illness. It wasn't only an ailment. It wasn't even uh, a certain lifestyle they knew they needed more than anything of their own doing. Anything humanly obtainable 
uh, they knew they needed more than that. They were, were willing to admit and be real with where they came from, what they had done, what they were doing, and how they were doing it. The righteous, of which there is none, not one, they sit back and, I mean, you guys probably know someone who's like this, right? They sit back and, and observe only to question as if they had it all figured out for themselves. And how quick are they to not receive instruction? Someone who feels righteous in who they are, how quick, they don't receive instruction. They don't receive uh, help, really. That doesn't work for you if Jesus is really Jesus. If Christmas really kind of set the ball rolling for all of mankind to receive a Savior, as is the plan, and if Jesus is really the Savior for everyone, it will take a lot of admitting. It will take a lot of realizing that we, are, we, are, we have to realize that in order to receive care, we have to admit that we need care. That we need a savior. What's it's a neat way to think about it? What's more dangerous? The one who has a disease and goes to the doctor, or the one who thinks they're well and, ne and never goes to the doctor, but the illness inside of them is killing them? Church, we. We can pretend all we want. And yeah, sure, by my appearance, it may look like I have it all together. We might try to make it look like that we have it all together. And we might not have to isolate ourselves and, and call out in the barn or in our workplace, unclean, I'm unclean. Like we might, have to, we might not have to call that out. But if we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really willing to admit if we can get past our uh, selfish desire uh, to look like uh, we've been able to figure it out all on our own, that we have it all put together, if we can get past that, if we're willing to admit that we need healing, honest in our own brokenness, the great physician as he's re referred to, and I love that Luke himself is a physician and then he refers to Jesus in that way and he's the, painting the picture of the need of a doctor. He will enter in and come and fix our brokenness. Back to restoration. Jesus is saying here, you you think you're not in need of a doctor, you think you're righteous, go ahead and be righteous. You think that you're spiritually healthy or spiritual enough, then you don't need a doctor. And you won't get a doctor. Because Jesus is saying here, none of us is well and none of us are righteous. And if we're willing to come to grips kind of with our, with our selfish desire, our sin issues, our inability to work, uh, hard enough, good enough, right enough, say the right things, do all the right stuff, follow all the rules. Jesus says, 
I'm a doctor who will meet you wherever you're at. A disease, an illness, a hidden sin, uh, open sin, a barrier, maybe a, a quirk that you might have, a trait, status, or maybe like just this weird growth that you need to get looked at. No. That was a joke. Okay. Making sure everybody's with me. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the author of restoration. I'm the perfecter of all things. I will bring purpose and strength and ability and comfort and understanding and guidance and, and, and change to your life. See, it's our ability to recognize our illness that gets us in the door. It is our disheveled life that qualifies us to follow Christ. How amazing is that? Do you know another group that like your disqualification actually qualifies you? That's crazy. Like your disqualification in your life qualifies you to be with Jesus. See, and Jesus came in the world to save me, of which I am the worst of me. But with Jesus is that purpose and that change and that comfort that is offered, even in the worst of what I have to offer. And that out of Christ's immense patience, as Paul said in Timothy, I am able to give out the greatest of the one who came to save and display a call to eternal life. That out of Christ's patience for me and the worst of me, it displays to others why we celebrate Christmas, why it's such a big deal. Let's pray.